welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Well, it's back to school season, dear listeners, and kids are supposed to be huffing fresh markers and writing boobs on their calculators, not trying to figure out why their governors hate them. <coughs> Ron DeSantis. The bad news is we're powerless to do anything about that, but the good news is at least we have a show to entertain you amid all this madness. This week and every week, I'll be Zooming with someone who I admire, and I think you will too. Speaking of people I admire, I'm joined by my producers, Adam Howard and Svea Baron-Reinstein. Okay, podcast gals. On today's show, we have actor-director Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now, I know you know this, but Joseph is someone who successfully made the leap from TV star to movie star. If I was going to try to make a similar leap, what kind of role should I choose to launch my A-list movie career, which will never happen and I don't even want it, but let's talk about it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope if you make the leap that you would take us with you. Of course. Um, I feel like I would love to see you as like a, like, I think you could just make a great Julia Child. Oh, I think that would be really that's fun. Nice, just oh, really projecting. That. I feel like she had like a big personality, mm, and a voice. She just did. just like dropping, me. you know, flans on the floor and oh. like, just having a ball. <laughs> I loved her show when I was growing up. I really, really loved it. Did it play in Canada? It did. It was. Um, there were like on Canadian on public television on TV Ontario. I think mm. it aired. They aired uh, like. Cooking with Julia or whatever it was called and the Galloping Gourmet and <laughs> other food shows. And since all I did really, truly was like either read or be watching television, I watched a lot of it. I loved it. I worked in her uh, in an archive one summer mm. and my only job, it was like my first unpaid internship and my <laughs> only role was to go through every single photo of her that had been <gasps> ever taken on the Whoa. PBS show, all the stills. Oh my God. They were all taken by her husband and yeah. just marking on the back of them what they were. And it was That's so fun to look through amazing. them all. Amazing. Her husband loved her. Yeah. Loved her so much. Do you think you could impersonate her? Me? No, Sam. <laughs> Me? No, not at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not at all. But you right. know what? Why not try? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll get the movie gig first and then I'll 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 backload my impression. They're never gonna give it to you now. You just said you couldn't do it. I can definitely do it. <laughs> can I play her? Can, no, definitely yeah. not. definitely not. But I'd have to wear stilts because she was like yeah. seven feet tall yeah. and I'm five three or something. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Um what do you think? What do you think, Adam? Well, it's I was gonna, gonna launch say, me into the stratosphere. Yeah, I wanted to get you into the MCU. I thought oh. you would be honestly As Julia Child. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, she had superpowers too, but sure. no. I guess I thought you could do sort of like an against type villain, mm-hmm. sort of like oh. what Catherine Hahn did in WandaVision. Like oh. I feel like you could still be funny, but have sort of an edge to you. Be um, very, very and, evil, like under the. I like it. Yeah, and it, and you automatically have like ten roles already because if you sign right. into the MCU, they have you for life. Oh, they do. So. They truly yeah. do. Oh, well, this is a very flattering conversation. Thank you so much for both of you believing in me more than I believe in myself. <laughs> Gosh, it's been a really long time since I did a movie. Wow. And, you know, I've turned down a lot of movies for the sh- is this. Is this weird that no. I have like a personal prohibition against something came up recently that they were like, okay, we want to use full frontal in our movie and we'll just show you like you'll be on the like in the news clip in the mm. background of uh-huh. this like other thing that was happening. And I was like, I can't do it. I think yeah. that's weird. 
I think it's I think it's so weird to like watch stuff and see someone. I know I'm just a trusted truth teller. <laughs> it's so dumb. Like I don't know why this prohibition would extend to me at all. Like yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. But <laughs> anyway, so maybe I should, you know, like entertain some of these offers. I love this. All right. Okay. Bring in yeah. the movie offers. Yeah. Sure. Right now we're gonna take a quick break, but we have Joseph Gordon Levitt coming up. You are not gonna want to miss this. Joining me today is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph first won our hearts and made us laugh on the hit sitcom Third Rock from the Sun, which he then parlayed into a wildly successful big screen movie career where he's headlined huge blockbusters like The Dark Knight Rises, Inception, and Looper, as well as more intimate fare like 500 Days of Summer, Brick, and last year's acclaimed drama The Trial of the Chicago 7. This year, he's making a return to the small screen, writing, directing, producing, Jesus, starring in the hotly anticipated new Apple TV series, Mr. Corman. Surprisingly, like amazingly, he's taken time away from also doing the catering on that show, apparently, to hang out with me. Welcome to the show, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Hello. Oh my God. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm so well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. I have to thank you so much for saying yes to us. I really appreciate oh, it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. My goodness, I've here. admired you for such a long time, so this is exciting. Okay, so tell me, where are you, right? You're in a recording studio? Is this why oh. you have such an incredible microphone <laughs> setup? I mean, I know our listeners can't see what I'm seeing, but it's like quite a setup. Yeah, this is this is my 14-year-old self's dream. And yeah. I'm not really um, extravagant in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't spend tons of money on a lot of things, mm -hmm. but this is something I spent way too much money <laughs> on. <laughs> what a beautiful, okay, I'm imagining like a beautiful sound, it's a soundproof room. It is, yeah, so I can like bang on drums and make all kinds of noise and, you know, record things. And I, I've always loved recording music. I mm -hmm. you know, started doing that in my, you know, in my bedroom when I was 15 years old, um, mm -hmm. back when it was so different back then. You know, nowadays you can, you can record like super high quality stuff just on your phone. I know. But, you know, in the in the 90s, we had, you know, like a it was called a four track and it was, yeah. it was on on a cassette yes. and it would you could you could, you know, multi-track record onto the cassette and I just loved it so much and and I've been making, you know, just music by myself like that forever. Mm. And so when I, you know, became a grown-up and and got a, a house, I was like, I'm going to make myself a room and this it, is it's, my yeah, dream. Yeah. I am working this. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me more sound <laughs> How old are your children? Will they do they love to like play on your drum kit or yes, are you like they stay do. out of here? Oh no no they they I I try to bring them in here all the time and they love it in here and yeah they're four and six now okay yeah. so they're just getting into they're like let me bang, let me be, grab those sticks and yeah the bang on the object of the game is just hit it as hard as you can <laughs> this is fantastic what a good outlet too yeah oh yeah I I wish someone had handed me drumsticks when I was you know four years old right <laughs> do you have training do you have musical training did. Not, I wouldn't call it training. No, okay. but I mean, my parents were always really encouraging. And mm -hmm. yeah, I like took piano lessons when I yeah. was a little kid, but I didn't really get into it, I think, because it was, it was so much about reading the sheet music. And yes. that was never really very fun. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was a bit older that I, I started 
it was because I started playing guitar and then I could play, you know, right. Nirvana and Green Day songs and things like that and sing my heart out in, in my room. And that's when I started really playing music. Oh, that's great. So are you going to, with all of this in mind, are you going to make your kids take music lessons? Because I make my kids take piano lessons and they're very angry with me and they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we do a lot of music with my boys. Mm -hmm. They're still so young, though. Right. How old are yours? Mine are, my eldest is 15, and then I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. And I only make the 13-year-old and the 11-year-old take piano. Yeah. I can so, tell you all my reasoning after. <laughs> I, I want to hear it. Yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, so mine are four and six, which is yeah. so like if, if I try to make them do something, they can't, they, right. they can't even tune into it. So, you know, we do a lot of music and we encourage them to do mm -hmm. stuff. And we have done some, some lessons. Yeah. But the lessons are very informal. Sure. Uh, sure. So far. Yeah. And there's also like school of rock style learning, which is like you're learning more contemporary, which is also really fun too. That, like I said, that's when I got into playing music was when I was able to learn to play mm -hmm. music that I liked to listen to. And, yes. you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned to like listening to classical music and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I didn't really when I was younger. And so, yeah, it was to me, like, if you can just learn a few chords so mm -hmm. that you can play some songs that you enjoy, then, yeah. then you can have fun making music. Totally, totally. So wait, are you in Los Angeles now? Are you still in New Zealand? Have you moved back? You I mean, in... I, I want to ask you more about your kids' piano lessons, oh, but should I not? I don't no, know. No, not at all. Let's keep going. No, everyone, the whole... Wait, I don't why do care. they hate it? What do they say? Well, they don't... Okay, this is why I think it's... This is what I think is extremely valuable about it, because I took no lessons, but wanted to when I was growing up. And mm -hmm. I actually think it's a pretty light lift. Like, I don't... It's not like I have them in some conservatory school where they're going every day. And it's not like whiplash in my right, life. Right. You know what I mean? They do like 45 minutes once mm -hmm. a week. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> you know, and I feel like just adding, they have a pretty free form existence, actually. Okay. Like, I'm not yeah. like a super, I give them the structure that I feel like they're asking me for, but I'm not like, uh -huh. these are, these are, this is our regimen of living. Right. Like, right. not ultra scheduled or anything like that. And they don't really do too much outside of their schooling. Okay. So I was like, I think I should introduce like one thing that is very structured, like this, just this one time slot per week that mm -hmm. you have to practice a little bit or you'll be embarrassed. Yep. <laughs> uh, a teacher outside of me and the way that I am outside of their school world. How's teacher? Is it a cool person? They have two separate teachers and they're both like Russian. They're serious. Like they're serious, like Russian piano teachers. So they Got have like it. a totally different style from anything they're used to. And I actually okay. think that's valuable too. Yeah. Because they're very, um, you know, whereas I'm like, it, everything's, you look at this beautiful everything's expression. Everything's friendly and gentle. Yeah, yeah. You did art and it is <laughs> just the most incredible. The Their teachers are like, that was bad. Yet. I can tell you didn't practice. <laughs> Right. And you have to, or I'm, you're, or you're wasting my time. And I'm like, well, that voice is not bad to have in your life. Mm -hmm. A little mm -hmm. bit. There's, some, bit. Yeah, yeah, there's something, something very realistic it. about that. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I can't deny that I really admire when people are grown-ass adults and they see a piano and they go, 
oh, I play a little. And they play yeah. something incredible. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I find it like heart, oh, it just breaks my heart that I don't really have that skill. And you, you know what I mean? And I was sure. like, I feel like it's like a, a little bit of a gift to make them do something and then yeah. they won't know it's a great skill until they're older. Right. When they're older, they'll go, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> and how are they with music? Are they, is music something they care about in, in their life? For sure. And it's interesting that you were talking about like the way records are made or the way that, you know, the way that you recorded for yourself when you were young, because mm -hmm. we were really just sitting in the car talking about how different the making of music is now. Like, yeah. You know, you can be making your own music on TikTok and that's your path is that you already come to a record deal or whatever with this huge fan base mm -hmm. and they're just really matching you with better producers or like a more, you know, they're kind of branching you out, but you, you came with your own talent and created a thing that everybody got to see. And so it's all on display. Whereas, you know, generationally it's very different. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. Well, it, what, what's exciting to me is that everybody has those tools mm -hmm. now. It's so accessible. What I yes. mean, like I remember for my 21st birthday, I got myself uh, my first video editing software. Oh, God. And because, you know, when I like before that, when I was a kid editing yeah. a movie or a show or something like that, that was something that no one could do. Yes. You had to be at a big expensive studio or something to mm -hmm. edit something and now now it's just the easiest thing in the world you can edit like you said on on iMovie or on TikTok or whatever and just having access to the the mode of expression is so so great i you know i sometimes have concerns about of <laughs> how those sure. modes of expression are channeled into popularity contests mm -hmm. and stuff but but the Definitely. the the fact that that we all have those tools available is just a beautiful thing to to yeah. you know be happening right now yeah it's it's like um I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've just like, I'm not asking any of the questions that I was prepared to ask you. I'm just, I've probably answered really those interesting. before. These are, these are, this is better. <laughs> this is a really interesting conversation. It is like, it's like hard to, because generationally like too, I'm kind of like stuck in, I'm like the old ways, like mm. the Clive Davis way, but I do appreciate, <laughs> like, I really do appreciate that the tools of creation are so widely available and venues yeah. for people to see the creation that you have made Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come without, there's cost. There's a cost there, to that. Yeah, there, there are downsides now. Mm -hmm. And I think some of those downsides are things we should not accept. Uh, right. Like, like, what? like, tell me. Well, like, okay, so you say it is, and I, I truly also believe that it is great that somebody can make something, whether it's mm -hmm. a video or a song or whatever else, and yeah. put it out on the internet and anyone else with the internet can see it. Mm -hmm. That's great. But there are ways that that works right now that to me are troubling and it doesn't have to work that way. Basically yes. that the platforms where everybody puts their stuff right now mm -hmm. make money in a certain way yes. using this kind of mass surveillance and advertising and, and artificial intelligence and stuff like that, yeah. which is really damaging, I think, to people and to the world. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason the internet has to work that way. Right. And I think a lot of us would be a lot happier and the world would be healthier if the internet didn't work that way. And so I think that's sort of our job as a generation is to say like, ah, I know it's making a ton of money, but mm -hmm. this should be illegal, actually. Yeah. And, and um, we shouldn't treat the internet like a casino. Mm -hmm. It should work differently than that. But it's going to be hard because they're, you know, some of the most lucrative companies ever in the history of the world. Uh, yeah. 
it's, really, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, it's like, if it does feel like the horses are out of the barn and I, I actually like, this is a conversation of full agreement. I don't know how to put the horses back in the barn. I think some I of the think horses should go back be in. The law. I think that's it. Like yeah. it's, if you, I mean, sorry if I'm getting way too esoteric. This is no, the stuff that really fascinates me. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. like look at, you know, with the industrial revolution, uh, I'm I'm kind of a history nerd. Mm-hmm. The industrial revolution happened and technology got way ahead of the law. Right. And a few big companies made crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of money. And that's when you had like, you know, Rockefeller cornered the market on oil and Carnegie cornered the market on steel and whatever. And they had this industrial revolution. And they made so much money and it went up and up and up and up and up and up. And then we had the Great Depression. It was like, oh, yeah, right. The way you guys have been doing it has actually been hurting a lot of people and been, been problematic for the world. So now we have to change the laws. And and that's when, you know, FDR came in and he and he kind of changed the laws and and antitrust became a thing and Social Security became a thing. And and then, you know, we adjusted. And, and, and that's also not to mention, by the way, the whole uh, environmental issues. You know, the Industrial Revolution had all these costs to our environment that we were not really understanding for 100 years or so. And eventually we had to say, like, ah, yeah, no, I, I know it's really uh, you're making a lot of money, but we, we can't keep doing this. We'll break the planet. So we have to make new laws. And obviously that's still a process that's um, being debated. But, uh, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I think some of the big internet companies are are kind of framing the way the internet works is breaking the world. Sure. And we just need to make laws that, that make it so that they can't do that. I think often about privacy, about privacy issues and privacy Violations. I consider them to be privacy violations. And I think often about how much of our privacy we willingly give over, Mm -hmm. seemingly without much awareness of that, and then worry about like masks in public. And we're like, don't take away my freedom. I'm like, your freedom is gone. (laughs) Do you not? (laughs) Your freedom is was gone a long time ago when you posted every goddamn picture of yourself on Facebook and your children and you ruined your children's future by putting your baby pictures up there because they're forever. It's all forever. Do you do not put pictures of your kids on? I don't. I yeah, don't. I don't either. I yeah. don't either. I have nothing but respect, of course. I have lots of friends yeah. that do, and yep. and it's it's everybody's individual choice. But I mm-hmm. I do worry about what because I I do I know that those companies are building digital profiles of yes. every human that their algorithm senses, yes, and the the all the data they're collecting and the algorithms that make use of that data will have all kinds of impacts yeah. in the future. And so, yeah, we're trying to <laughs> trying to not enter our kids into that, you know, for as long as possible. For as long as possible. So if they're participating in it, they go in and you've had clear discussions about them and they're yeah. bringing their own willingness and interest. And, and I, I get like, I get that the world that we live in now is that they do share pictures and they do do that stuff. Sure, now. sure. And they want to live in the world that they live in. Yeah. But, but this least... is the thing, especially for kids, there should be a YouTube and an Instagram and things like that that kids can use right. where they're not being monetized the way that YouTube and Instagram monetizes people who use their platform. You don't think they should walk through Central Park and be pinged 20,000 yeah. times by major corporations? <laughs> <laughs> you don't exactly. think Victoria's Secret should know exactly where they are standing in yeah. Central Park? To target them with ads? <laughs> there are laws that someone under 21 can't go into a casino. Right. There should be laws that someone under 21 cannot be, you know, subjected to behavior modification techniques and the most powerful digital algorithms ever invented. Right. <laughs> well, I feel like I just now I want to talk about Silicon Valley and Hollywood because I know that you sure. have a lot 
to say about it. I know you've said, I believe you've said that Silicon Valley now owns Hollywood. Well, what do you think <laughs> right. that that... Is that okay that I brought that up? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Like, it's funny how headlines form. Like I, I know. I, I remember seeing that and I was like, is that what I said? Okay. Did I say I that? mean, I guess that's kind of true. Kind of true. I mean, sure. well, <laughs> what, what, what do you think? And what do you think that means for the, for the future of, of film and television? Well, it is pretty simply true. I mean, the, the, the companies that are having the most influence on mm-hmm. what Hollywood is doing right now are tech companies, you yeah. know, because I think Netflix is a tech company, uh, Amazon, Apple, you know, Facebook, Google, all, you know, Amazon, the, the, all the big tech companies are the ones that are, and, and even if you go to say, you know, HBO or something, well, that's owned by, uh, AT&T and mm-hmm. I guess they're spinning out or something. And, and, uh, NBC universal is owned by Comcast, which is a, you know, a cable company i mean there aren't like any of the what was considered hollywood the big hollywood right. studios from back in the you know the dawn of hollywood with the exception of disney they're all owned by tech companies now right right okay well I, I, let's talk about this in the context of mr corman yeah sorry we went down a whole path but like i'm delighted you wrote it you directed it. You're starring in it. This is like the whole enchilada. With many others, I should with say. Many I others. worked with a, a bunch of fantastic collaborators. Okay. Yeah. Did you did you pitch it? Did you like take it out to the town? I wrote a, a script. A, oh, you did? A spec script and, okay. and showed that script. Yeah. And oh. and Apple liked it and I liked them and That's great. Yeah. This is like a, a very hotly anticipated show. <laughs> I'm well I, I really love it. This is this is a, a show that's really dear to me and I, I give a lot of credit to Apple. Speaking of Apple, they they really kind of gave me a lot of creative freedom to make something that's very much to my taste that I find right. really interesting that uh you know uh, deviates from convention in certain ways and mm-hmm. ways that I find really interesting and fun. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited it's finally out and, and people are getting to see it. What is it, like, what does it satisfy in you? Like, I've seen it described as, maybe self-described as the most me-ish thing that you've ever made. What do you mean <laughs> yeah. when you say that? Well, um, when, I'm, when I'm acting, uh, it's my job to really understand what the director is imagining and mm-hmm. and give them the ingredients to make the thing that they are imagining. Mm-hmm. And when I'm making Mr. Corman, it, it's more I'm imagining something and right. and trying to rally a bunch of amazing people to to make it better than anything I I could have imagined and and okay. and make it real so that other people can see what I was imagining. Okay, so it's like burst forth from your brain. <laughs> it's really just like trying to loop everybody into your like you're like, let me unscrew my own brain and show you what's inside there so you know exactly what I mean when I say this. Yeah, my my goal was was really to to try to be as uh sort of forthcoming as I could and mm-hmm. not do a thing where like, well, what will be what will be popular? What will this, what will that? Right. But just be like, what's kind of true to to myself and how I how I feel, right. and it's not to say that I feel the same way as this character. The character is, in a lot of ways, similar to me, and in a lot of ways, quite different from me. Um, I, I, you know, he and I have had some really different strokes of luck, but I, I imagine that I, I could be him just as easily as I've become me if if my luck had been a little different. 
Can you tell the audience a little bit about Mr. Corman? Yeah, sure. So it, it's a show about a person um, <laughs> named Josh Corman, which mm-hmm. sort of sounds like Joseph Gordon. So he's sort of like me. He, mm-hmm. you know, he grew up where I grew up and he walks like I walk and talk like I talk. But there are there are certain things about him that are that are different. And he does his best to be happy and he knows he has a lot to be grateful for. And he's happy sometimes, but not all the time. And right. it's so it's it's sort of about, I guess, that about a person who's like, I I know I should be happy. Right. But sometimes my brain goes off to these other darker places and goes mm-hmm. around in circles and I tell it not to. But it does anyway. And I'm trying to figure out how to get it to like stay in the good place. And and over the course of the season, you, you know, find someone at the beginning who is struggling with that and by the end has has made some real progress. That's great. How did you decide how to kind of depict that anxiety and 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 like panic attacks? How did you sit with how did you sit with that? Well, it's something I've, um, you know, a number of people that I'm close with have, mm-hmm. have experienced. Um, I, my, my mind, you know, goes to negative places sometimes. Mm-hmm. I actually did uh, go see a doctor about it one time. Mm-hmm. And I, what I learned was that what I experienced isn't what you'd call a diagnosable anxiety disorder. Whereas other, like I said, other people I'm close to, you would call what they experience a diagnosable anxiety disorder, right. which, by the way, is incredibly common. It's one out of every six people in the United States, and that's mm-hmm. just the diagnosable kind. And so it's, it, you know, what, you, what we ended up making in the show is, is sort of a mishmash of my own feelings and, and, and people that I'm close with and their feelings and, and kind of trying to be as honest as, as possible about it. How important is it that Hollywood continue to like destigmatize mental health issues? Yeah, I love that you said that. Yeah. I actually spoke to a doctor of neuropsychology when we were preparing for this oh, show and yeah. I asked her what's the one thing you don't want Hollywood to fuck up about, <laughs> about oh, portraying this? What a great question. And um and she said exactly what you just said. She said, I I would hope that it doesn't stigmatize it. I would hope that it that it normalizes it. Right. Um, because there's historically there's a big stigma around mental health for generations and generations. I think people who have experiences like this are hesitant to talk about it because they're afraid that if they talk about it, they'll make someone else uncomfortable or they'll be accused of, you know, the people will say to them, hey, just buck up or like get a grip. Exercise more. Yeah. Quit that negative attitude or stop right. whining or, you know, things right. like that. And so people are hesitant to talk about their experiences. And when you're hesitant to talk about it, it's much harder to overcome it. And this is, right. this is another thing the doctor was saying is like talking about it is such a crucial first step for for people to start working through it and 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 improving how they feel and so um yeah so i just wanted to in in our show be really really honest about it and it's it's really fascinating seeing how different people react because we did not use kid gloves it's like the the right. the, the the character has a full on anxiety attack in the second episode of the show and and we 
we rendered it in a pretty intense way. <laughs> and, right. you know, a lot of people are like, whoa, that was really intense. I wasn't expecting that. And then and some people are like, I relate to this so much. I'm so happy to see this portrayed honestly. And then some people are like, that is too much for me. I don't want to see that. Oh. <laughs> and um, and I, you know, I completely respect, of course, mm-hmm. everybody's reception of it. But uh, but it, it's it's meaningful to me when when I when I hear people say how relatable it feels to them and because hopefully it does facilitate some of that conversation and 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 allow people to see like oh i'm not the only one feeling these really intense feelings isn't that so interesting as you like as you walk through life and you get older when you really realize how much like shame and fear people are like carrying around with them Uh and Uh like how hard people are on themselves yeah uh, that's that's a good way to put it. That, that's actually, you know what, I haven't put it that way, but Mr. Corman, the, the character, he's really hard on himself. That's right. <laughs> exactly what he is. And he needs to start, like, being a little kinder to himself. And he does by the end of the season. That's really good. I do feel like there's, like, a whole conversation, and it's, like, a separate conversation. You and I can have another time about, like, Let's this, do it. like the story around gratitude and how we're all, like, before you say anything in this world now, you have to be, like, I'm grateful for this, yeah. <laughs> but I'm feeling <laughs> like I want to rip my own hair out. But you have yeah. to like enter every conversation by going like, definitely grateful for all the gifts in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I <laughs> I'm drowning. Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Because I yeah. know that I shouldn't feel that way, as opposed yeah. to just like being allowed to feel different ways. On different well, our, days. Our, our brains are, I like, I like different ways, different days. Our brains are built to find problems, right? Because right. when our ancestors are running around in the wild, mm-hmm. they needed to be on the lookout for right. the next thing that was oh, going to kill them. And so, yes. so like our brains are trained to always be on the lookout for problems. And like, and now we live in this life, which is so much safer and more comfortable than mm-hmm. anything, any human's ever lived ever in history especially if you go back to like biological history and so here we are we, we have enough food right. obviously not everybody in the world has enough food and that's a problem we should really solve but if you if you do have enough food your brain is still going to be like send off those signals right. of like are you sure you're going to survive? Are you sure something's not going to kill you? Are you sure? Right. What's the problem that I can worry about? Right. Our brains are, are worry machines. Waiting for the next shoe to drop. Waiting for the, mm. the other shoe to drop. You're like, this is great right now, but like tomorrow, ooh, yeah. who knows? So, I guess the trick is like, how can we channel that worry into helping other people who don't necessarily yeah. have enough food to eat or who, who don't have all the good luck that someone like you or I have had? A lot of good works could be powered with just like this, the sweat of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you shot this in New Zealand. Is this correct? So we started shooting it in LA. The show is, okay. it takes place in, in the, the Valley, which is the suburb of Los Angeles where I grew up. And um, I thought I was going to be making this thing. I was like, this is going to be great and easy to shoot. And I'll get to stay home and be with mm-hmm. my family. And, oh. and it'll also all kind of like, happen really naturally and be kind of easy in that way. And then the the pandemic arrived and we luckily, luckily got to finish the show in New Zealand. But the funny thing was we then ended up having to, you know, recreate 
Van Nuys. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, sort of ordinary <laughs> suburb where I grew up. But it's still it's ordinary, but it's still unique, like every single yeah. place in the world. And mm-hmm. so we're like using movie magic. Like I was working with, you know, the production designer who worked on The Hobbit. And we're oh. we're like using techniques that are that are used to, <laughs> to make Middle Earth, using those techniques to to render Van Nuys. And Let's get uh, Van Nuys. <laughs> Just take this beautiful mountain. Can we erase this? Yeah, we, we did. Make we it. did erase some beautiful <laughs> mountains. <laughs> did you love living there, even oh, temporarily? So so grateful. It, it's a wonderful place, and I, I mean, we were lucky, of course, because they've handled the pandemic so well, and it's mm. it's it's a hats off to. Jacinda Ardern and their whole government. It's also hats off, though, to, I think, to the people. The people in New Zealand are, are, this is a generalization, of course, but they're they're team players. There's something about the culture. They're really Mm community-oriented. It's just kind of more part of their nature to kind of take one from the team and be like, yeah, this is uncomfortable to be in lockdown, but it's the best thing for all of us in the long term, and so let's do it. And they they did it. And before the virus got out of control, Mm -hmm. they were able to just contain it and they've kept right. it contained the whole time and like actually just before i left new zealand there were uh, a few cases mm-hmm. i mean they have a few cases it, right it, they go most of the time with no zero zero cases but then they have a few cases and the whole country locks down they're like oh, there are cases and folks are like that's what we got to do we're going to pull together and we're just going to do it so that we can all stay safe together imagine and, that yeah yeah and <laughs> uh it's in, it's really incredible. My hats off to to Kiwis. I I really really have a lot of love and admiration for for people in New Zealand. Did you visit the Shire just out of curiosity? I'm <laughs> dying to go there. I w- I did get to go around the Weta workshop with the the company okay. that Peter Jackson co-founded mm-hmm. that made all that stuff. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Was it ama- was it like amazing? Do they have like did you did you ever do Sesame Street? Have you done an episode of Sesame Street? I got to do yeah, I got to do the the 50th anniversary episode oh, of Sesame oh Street. <laughs> you know, like when you walk into the set and you look up oh, into yeah. the rafters and Snuffleupagus yeah. is yeah. up there, you're like, What is this? Uh, my favorite thing though is that the the Muppeteers, mm-hmm. they're so kind. They oh. know that you you want to have your experience. With Bert yes. and Ernie and with Grover. And so they'll they'll just operate the Muppet for you. And you don't yes. like they don't I walked up to Bert and Ernie and was just like, Bert, Ernie, and and you know, just had my moment with them. And here are these mm-hmm. just kind hearted individuals yeah. operating Bert and Ernie for me. I didn't say hello to, I mean I did say hello to them after I said hello to Bert and Ernie, but like they're so sweet of them to just give you that experience with the character. And by the way, like my kids, they think that Sesame Street is just that's a street in New York where yeah. you go and Bert and Ernie are just there and Grover yeah. is there. And that's, <laughs> that, that's who lives there. What an incredible experience, right? They are remarkable. And they I had this exact same experience. They're like, well, everybody. I was like, uh-huh, I yeah. cried <laughs> immediately. They're like, ev- literally everyone cries. It's fine. And we are these characters. And then they just do the thing. They just manipulate yeah. these puppets in a way that you, it's, it's like they 
they create the exact experience that you want. <laughs> they do. I love, I love those folks. I love Sesame Street. Oh boy. Street. So I imagine going to like the Middle Earth studio is the same where you're just like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> well, I, see, I didn't see any operating okay. you know, orcs or, or hobbits, okay. but they do have statues of them and stuff. Wow. Around, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk to you about something that I also admire, which is that really like at the height of your career, you took a couple of years off to be <laughs> yeah, with your kids. Like, yeah. People don't listen. I mean, I think that's great. Thank I think that's, you. That's great. It must have been great you. for you. Did you love it? I mean, I'm sure it was not without like you. I'm sure you thought a lot about it, and you were like, because it oh, does. Well, being a parent to me is just it's it's really in a different category than mm-hmm. any other experience I've had. It's very difficult to put into words, to be honest. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start trying to talk about how much I love being a dad or how much I love my kids, my words all start feeling cliche and, and, but it's, it's so true. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, you're just so close to the, the, these people. I, mm-hmm. I'm just in my normal grown up life. You just are not that close with anybody, not even close right. to that close. You're, you're cleaning this person's butt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's so so intimate and you're seeing them from the very very beginning of of their life and understanding how they're turning into the person they're going to turn into and it's so intimate Mm -hmm. and you know this is what i like this is why you like i was saying about mr corman i like stuff that's that's really really honest and really intimate and really Mm -hmm. in there and yeah being a parent is just the most that way and you're you're right i mean it it did I had kids right at a time in my career where, you know, if I'm like totally honest business wise or whatever, it was not the optimal time to to take a big break. But when I measure that up against what being a parent means to me, Mm -hmm. there's just no there's no comparison. Um, So, you know, it is it is what it is. the, The truth is, I I. I I do think that uh, Hollywood is that way. You can't just walk away for a few years and have that not matter. But I'm just lucky enough to where I I was able to you know come back from my break and and still make this show. Right. That's that's to me if 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 I got to do Mr. Corman that like I couldn't really ask for anything more beyond that. So uh, so it's, I feel all right. It's because um, I'm sure you had a lot of voices telling you not to take a break like a lot of pressure you know, you know i mean uh, the the truth is is I, I i've been doing this a long time and been able to surround myself with really positive good people that know me and, and care about me yeah like for example i have i have a really really good agent and i feel Great. even funny calling him my agent because i've known him so long he's a good friend of mine yeah and he was honest with me and said like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sugarcoat this and say that there will be no professional consequences to you taking a break mm-hmm. of course there will be you know there will be and this is one of the things i love about him he doesn't he doesn't you know just tell you what you want right. to hear right. he said but he followed that up with saying like but who gives a shit right you're gonna be a dad do what you're gonna do we'll take care of it it'll be all right and, and that's great yeah. well here this is on in the same vein because i will say that I think that I, the way that you're speaking about parenthood it reflects the way that I feel about parenthood too. Like, I don't think that I really was myself until my children started being born. I was like, uh, I came to an understanding of myself in that moment where I was yeah. like, oh, 
I totally understand my purpose. I like how you put that. Like, oh, okay. Oh, got it. Like I was like, check, got it. All right, here I am. My mission is to Mm -hmm. make life possible for these people and make Mm -hmm. them the best people they can. Mm -hmm. Right. And it did change the way that I think about my work. It really, really did. Did it change that for you? Sure. I like how you put it. You you use words like purpose and mission because I think, yeah, before becoming a dad, if you had asked me, what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. I probably would have said something revolving around art and creativity and work. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still feel that it's, it's not like, you know, a black and white thing, but a hundred percent. If, if I, if you ask me now about mission and purpose, Mm -hmm. the very, very first thing I'll talk about is is being a dad and just like I actually really right. like how you put it like helping helping these people um, be um, who they they want to be. Yeah, it's like now do do you feel like you put jobs that are offered to you do you put them through a different I put I, I just have like such a different take now on like what makes me want to do a job. Like I have like kind of I have like a checklist of three things and if a job Ooh, doesn't meet two uh, well, my first, if, if the job is like financially impossible to say no, like if, if financially it makes everybody's life better and my children's life, if there's like mm-hmm. a financial reason to do it, yeah, that's one possible scenario. Yeah. If, um, if there is purpose in my children's life for me to do something, like mm-hmm. if, if it somehow makes their life or their world better, mm-hmm. I'll do it. And if it is incredibly creatively fulfilling to me, mm-hmm. those are kind of like the three, those are kind of like the three things. Yeah. And each job that is so silly. I mean, it, it sounds so, it sounds silly, but like when we're talking from a very, I understand we're talking from in a, in a full gratitude session, I feel mm-hmm. great, grateful for all of these opportunities. But like, if it doesn't, if a job doesn't kind of like meet a, a pretty high bar to take me away from my family, I yeah. don't do it. Yeah, like if, uh, if the, I really like I, how you put it. Yeah, I won't go away from them unless it meets a very, very high standard of like reasons that I can really latch onto. I'm, I'm right now. I have just, just started my very first time away from them. Uh, we've, we've been. I, I've never been away from mm-hmm. them, but I'm, I'm doing a job now. There, um, they've stayed back in New Zealand. Because we're okay. so lucky and fortunate to have the opportunity to have them there, mm-hmm. that we want you know them to be able to stay there and, and right. stay safe from from the virus. And uh, and I've come to to work, and mm-hmm. yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be my very first time away from them, and I'm already brokenhearted and oh, doing my so sorry. doing I'm my just best like, to like all these know. things are like emerging in this conversation. I'm yeah. so sorry. It's very hard. Yeah, it's very very hard. It's yeah. How do you do it? Well, I don't do it very well. I don't do it very well. And everyone at work knows that I will never, if it's like, if they're asking me to be away from the family for like more than four days, yeah. I definitely am like, well, tell me every second why I need to be gone for more than four days. <laughs> yeah. Like, like take it down to like the very minimum yeah. and explain to me what we're doing that we couldn't do in four days. Yeah, I'm with like, you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just so careful with the amount of time. Yeah. Like, you get to start to get just so specific. Yeah. 
right? Oh, I, I, I'm 100% with you. This is why I feel so... So sad to be here. This, 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 yeah, this is going to be. Can you my, go back? Can you go back and f- it, with COVID? It's probably a little bit more complicated. In New Zealand, you cannot. Part of why mm. they've been able to squash the virus is they have really strict, really strict in, to to get in or out. Um, mm-hmm. You have to isolate for two weeks in a okay. in a hotel bef- uh, when you enter the country. That's um, a toughie. Yeah, normally, I would absolutely be taking whatever flights were necessary to go for even the briefest of visits. Right. But because New Zealand is being so protective. Right. uh, That's not possible. Would you make a permanent home there? Would you like, or would you consider like being double, like a dual citizen? We definitely have talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, like I I was saying a second ago, I I really do love it there. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I never really, I never thought of leaving the United States. I remember, you know, we've, I think a lot of us have talked about it, you know, over the years, especially when, you know, when, sure. when Trump was I elected, know. we were like, oh no, the country is, is let's so, get out of let's, here. Yeah, let's move to Canada or whatever. I, sure. I never felt like that. I've, I, in as, as much as I feel like the United States has so many problems and is guilty of, of so many brutalities i also am incredibly uh fond of and grateful for the united states right and if you compare living in the united states to living in a great many other places uh we have so many liberties and Mm -hmm. and really good things that are yes lovely to have so i i i i feel i do feel some amount of allegiance to to not just Jump ship, but to stick yeah. around and try to try to help make the country better and get it through the the dark time that it seems the country's going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, I, if I'm totally honest, I also feel drawn to when spending time in New Zealand, which wasn't like our, it sort of just fell in our lap. But um, mm-hmm. we we definitely thought like, wow, this is also. This is beautiful. Pretty nice. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, this is a great. This is like New Zealand tourism board. I know. Because I'm uh, dying to go. I'm just <laughs> dying to go there. Okay. Post COVID, big trip. Big yeah, trip. Do it. I highly recommend. All right. Well, this is this is it. We're at the end of this conversation. Okay. I just I have to like I really want to thank you for being so honest in this chit chat. I asked you a lot of like heart, like really probing. Qu- <laughs> am I Oprah? Are Did you? I, am Are I, you, Samantha? just a lot of Are like you? probing stuff <laughs> in this conversation. I, I thoroughly just... enjoyed it. And thank you very much. It's a pleasure talking to you. I'm so excited for Mr. Corman. So, so excited. Oh, I want to see what, I want to see what all the people in your life are like, it's too much for yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> or, it's right. I'm so relatable. Okay. Thank you again. All right. I hope you get back to your family fast. Thank you. Thank you. All, All right. right. See you later. Okay. Bye. Got to squeeze in another quick break here. That was great. It's always trippy for me to meet someone and talk to someone who I've really enjoyed their career. I still can't get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't really. I get like really gushy inside. It's so silly. But I'm glad you have a uh, podcast. I know. This is a safe <laughs> space to be it's the only place. It's the only place I can, it's the only place I can reveal my true self. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking okay. of your true self, okay. uh, we know you 
have said before, you, you've never been a teacher. You wouldn't necessarily want to be a teacher. No. But in honor of Mr. Corman, yes. we thought we'd play a little game, which would require you to do a little bit of role playing, sort of do okay. your best Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds sort of oh, boy. situation. Okay. Think of so, it as a movie audition. Right. Oh. Yeah. This is your chance to oh make my the A-list. <laughs> so, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> is that what she said? I have goosebumps. So basically, um, we're you're the, you're the teacher, and we're, we're going to sort of propose a dilemma and see how okay. you would handle it. Like so I'm an instance, actual teacher. Okay, yeah. I'm a teacher. So for real, if one of your students uh, came into your classroom and said their parents had really embraced and believe in QAnon conspiracy <gasps> theories, how would oh you handle my that? God, really? Well, well, again, these are all made up. So not this really. happened. <laughs> I mean, it is happening in the world. This, this happened right now to my student came in <laughs> and you're <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I well, I probably would advise my student. I probably would I would loop in someone else to the conversation. I would loop into like a trusted um school administrator slash therapist, like a mental health type of person who wow, the school that you work at has amazing resources yeah we have incredible resources at samantha b high <laughs> you're the teacher and the namesake we don't have any sports at all which is awesome we only have theater and debate club and chess nerd stuff maybe ping pong and yeah. lots of mental health professionals <laughs> all right and so you're gonna send adults. him off to someone else I am. I'm going to slough them off, but <laughs> only because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like I need someone who can maybe sit the parents with the student and like create some boundaries around all of that stuff. I'm not sure that's my skill set as an incredible teacher, I'm very focused on the learning part, <laughs> but I would be very, um, I would be touched that they would come to me first and then I would help them get the help that they need. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> what about if one of your students has developed a crush on you? Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I would, uh, <laughs> would also send them to the school there. <laughs> I would also send them. To, yes, I would. I would actually go say no more. Don't speak any <laughs> more words. Say no more. say no more. We're going to end this conversation because this is boundary crossing and we're going to bring in a third party <laughs> <laughs> to parse this for you. And yeah. then you're going to continue with them and I'm going to extract myself from this conversation. Perfect. Right. I, I just, I'm going to put up a wall of boundary. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to throw up such a thick wall of boundary in one second flat. Okay. Uh, what would you do if one of your students came to you with sort of a mean girl style burn book? It's mm. really nasty things to say about other teachers, but, <gasps> ni but nice things to say about you. What do you oh, do? I could just immediately go out for coffee and just dish. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that I would, I think I would, I would put up a wall. It's all about boundaries with me. My teaching does not, I am not. Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. I'm like, oh, do you have something personal you want to discuss? Well, I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. I'm a married woman. I have children of my own. Do not, uh, do not pass go. I'm not going to give you the green light for your burn book. I think you should destroy it. And I think you should find different ways to amuse yourself. All right. A student comes to you seeking career advice saying they want to be the next Jeff Bezos. 
Nobody would come to me with that advice. I wouldn't be able to help them. <laughs> this is this is a false scenario. Nobody thinks that I have. This one can't be real. This isn't real. This never happened. My students didn't come to me with that. I wouldn't be the teacher to go to. You want to go to like? Well, your, apparently um, you're the only teacher at this school. Sweet, <laughs> high. It's very exclusive. Yeah. We only have one class, and that's. I don't even know what the class that I would teach would be. It wouldn't uh, even be theater. It would be something really weird. Oh, okay. Because the next mm-hmm. question does re- involve theater. Okay. If, if one of your students in, in the drama club, which is the only okay. club there mm-hmm. besides chess, mm-hmm. wants to mount a production of Cats with you as the director, do you oh. encourage them to do it? No, because I hate Cats. It's an awful, <laughs> awful musical. I would be like, I am not the person for this. Because I do think you have to like find – I'm like – I would go to my teaching partner, Jason Jones, who went to see Cats when he was growing up, and it made an impression on him. This is not the show for me. What production would you do? I would do a play. Mm. I would do. Mm. A, I, I think drama. I would be. Uh, it would be more uh, drama. Maybe I would do like. I assume it would be a one woman show, and you are also the only person in that. Based <laughs> I'm on the, the only rest one of the school. All the kids in the tech crew. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just my story. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love my own high school. It's a pure vanity project that I created. No accreditation, nothing. It doesn't count toward college. It's just... <laughs> and I also get to stop when I want. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want to do the whole school year. Let's just end. <laughs> Let's it's end. too hot out. It's too hot. <laughs> it's too cold for classes, or it's too hot for classes, or should we go swimming? <laughs> 40 days of classes a year. This is why I'm not a teacher. God yeah. bless the teachers. I cannot imagine the the trepidation with which they are facing this upcoming school year. Oh, I love them so much. Thank God they're doing what they do, and I do what I do. Ha 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 ha! Well, I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and Follow full release in Apple Podcasts and tell your friends, spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to full release at sampy.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svia Baron-Reinstein with research provided by Noreen Malik and IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. Wow, I'm so blind. I thought you had perfect vision. I'm losing it. It's going away. <laughs> well, you should have bragged now. about it for so long. I bragged about it for a long time. <laughs> it's fine. I have to read it like literally has to be so far away from me now. <laughs> Your kids are holding up cue cards. <laughs> totally.